Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, healthcare is a human right. Nothing is more powerful than a determined woman. And AOC realizing she won the election is on loop at my house. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Hello. Good morning. How are we? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Good. Welcome you, Moria. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. To the Beaver Dam. The Beaver Dam. Here we are. We say Beaver (laughs) Den all the time. We did it today, though. How's it all going, ladies? Great. It's sunny outside. It's beautiful. It's It's beautiful. Summer is around the corner. I was going to say we are. It's summer is happening. It's summer is happening. I was just thinking the calendar. I mean. Just going by calendar dates here, people. Come on. I would appreciate it if it would hold off a little because it was 80 degrees yesterday. Yeah, it was. Which is summer. We're already here, but it shouldn't be. You're right. The calendar's, you know, point. It's the humidity that kills me. Like, it can Mm -hmm. be as hot as it Mm. wants to be. It's the humidity that I'm just really like, we got to take a big step back here. Yeah. (laughs) It's well, that's, so aggressive. That's New York for you. Just a little little bit of weather talk at the beginning of a yeah. very political episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, before we get into it, Yamoria, I want to introduce you to our Bettys. Yamoria Wright is an artist who lives in Brooklyn, New York, by way of San Jose, California. Yay! yay. Oh my God. <laughs> in 2013, she began her pursuit of an MFA at the Actors Studio Drama School and was one of three actors in Lear? In her cohort. Oh my God, I can't read. <laughs> To be selected and study playwriting and acting full-time during her three-year coursework. She began development of her original one-act play, Sins Have Come, an American Story. A story which delivers, oh my God, delves into politics, mental health, and matters of race during what was once thought by many to be a post-racial United States. In May 2016, she graduated with her MFA and developed a diverse playwriting and screenwriting portfolio. And upon graduation, she founded her production company, Yeah Right Productions, and developed the company's first original score, first original series, Love My Roomie, in which she is a writer, director, and executive producer. Yes. Killing it. <laughs> um, and now you're a senior video producer at I1 Digital for Madame Noir and yeah. Hello Beautiful. So yes. lots going on. Yes. Sorry for that brutal read, by the way. That is okay. I want to hear more about Love My Roomie. Yeah, Love My Roomie. Huh, what a journey. Um, almost a three-year journey, in fact. Because wow. it's 2019 that I graduated in 2016. Oh, my God. So I, it all started because I wrote a short play in my playwriting class called Expulsion about two roommates to receive an eviction notice. It was like a dark comedy. And then when I graduated, I didn't have an actor's reel. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I? I owe so much money to the government. Um, And (laughs) I didn't know what to do. And then a mentor was like, just film something that you've written. You study playwriting and screenwriting. I was like, oh yeah. So I adapted that play into a short film. And we had two days of principal photography. It was my, it wasn't my first time producing. It was my first time producing film. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just winging it, just using the skills I did have. Um, I didn't direct that. I just acted and produced it. But we, anyways, we had six hours left. It was only 12 pages. It's amazing that we couldn't do that. 
but we, we couldn't, um, <laughs> in two days. So, uh, two full 12 hour days, but anyways, we had six hours left and I was just, it was like 11 PM and I was like, that's a wrap. And my, um, co-actress or the co-star at the time, she was in grad school. She was in her third year. Anyways, long story short, we could not find time to finish shooting. So I said, okay, let's do a crowdfunding campaign. And there's a line in the film when one of the characters, my character says, I love my roomie. And I was like, okay. So the team got together and we're like, let's just make these little shorts called love my roomie. And there'll be snippets into the backstory of what leads these characters to that late point of attack in the short film. We'll release these to everybody who donates to the crowdfunding campaign. And that's how when Love My Remy was born. When you say short film, how long are we talking? Like 12 minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. It probably would have been 10 with edits. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It never got made, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> because I made because I made Love My Rumi and then I fell in love with and that we filmed like technically six episodes, but the concept of Love My Rumi then was a um mock reality show. Mm. So we were filming, we were filming handheld DSLR. It wasn't like this thing that I've created now. Um, but I fell in love with that and I was already a YouTuber prior to grad school. So I was like, what is the digital space? The landscape has changed so much. Maybe I'll just continue making content. So then I developed what is now the current love my roomie, um, an episodic version of that show. Yeah. On YouTube or where can people see it? Season one or yeah. the digital sketches. I don't call it season one anymore. Um, it's on YouTube. Nice. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Very quirky. And if you watch that and then you view the trailer for season two, for what was called season two, the current season, um, you'll see how different they are. Very different. And and then it's even more, it's even diff- more different than it was since that trailer came out in 2017. Very It's cool. been a long process. It's basically been making a film, which is why it's taking me so long. Yeah. I'm sure video content always takes so much longer than you think it does Mm -hmm. and to set up shots and timing. And I just um, filmed my one of my husband's music videos and we had five locations in one night. And it was like I mentally I knew what we were walking into. And I was like, we're all going to die tonight. And (laughs) here we go. But somehow, you know, we made it happen. It's it's always that somehow you come out the next morning, you wake up, you're a little empty and you're really fulfilled, too. And you're like, who am I? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, we definitely don't have enough shots. And then I, we, looking at the footage yesterday, we, so we have like over 300, nice. you know, clips for, you know, a two minute video. Oh, it's like, perfect. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. But I'm like, we don't have enough. <laughs> Keep shooting. <laughs> yeah. You just never know. You never, I mean, you can plan it to the hilts. And then when you get on production day, you're like, I don't know what we're getting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we're getting what and we And I need. have a wide yeah. that like we need that's integral to the beginning that we did not shoot. Yeah. (laughs) So there's always those moments too of like, okay, now I get to be creative and figure out how this is going to convey in a Mm -hmm. different way. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who talked about video production and production of any kind of creative endeavor, you know, whether it's podcasting or TV or movies, or we were talking about in the context of documentary. Um, But she said it's the art of regret Mm. because you always get in the edit booth and you get back and you're organizing clips and you're looking through everything that was captured and you're like, I wish I had got that shot. I yeah. wish I had said that differently. I wish, oh, why didn't I catch that moment? Why mm-hmm. didn't I take a different angle? Why didn't the I? The art of I, regret, that's the most depressing but thing she meant ever it, But she meant it in a way of like, you regret it and then you release it because yes, then it allows to, you yeah, to like you be creative. Right, right, right. You have to acknowledge it because you're like, because that's how you learn. Yeah. Right, right, right. You have to acknowledge what you did not do mm-hmm. and then you have to like, as you said, be creative and figure it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that that's very, very cool. I always think yeah. about that. 
Absolutely. Maria, what were things that like you were watching growing up? What were mm-hmm. your favorite shows? <laughs> like anything resonate for you? Diane and I were talking about the Spice Girls earlier today. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? I love back the Spice on tour. Girls. I know. My sister-in-law's going this this month. She's going to London. I think what? it's this month. Maybe it's wow. next month. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, I she die. is. Um, I watched a lot of Disney Channel, mm. like until I was a freshman in college. I mean, who could argue? I'm with? a nerd. You were like right up until last week. Here yeah, I was. pretty much, pretty much. Um, I watched a lot of Disney Channel. I watched Nickelodeon. So growing up, at first, up until about ten, we could not. First of all, the advent of cable was just like you know, it was like expanding, and then also we couldn't afford it because it was like out of pocket. Like it was just people did not prepare or budget for that expense, right? It was a brand new expense, a huge luxury. So then by the time I was about 10 is when we had cable. And I just remember, I kid you not, the excitement of having cable. I like that, like that innocent excitement, like, oh my God, I have cable. Like my heart was just full. And I mean, I that's indulged. how I feel. I can hack into my dad's password and oh. watch The Housewives. Oh, I mean, so what I do, watch The Housewives. What I do now, by the way, is use my parents' Xfinity streaming, yeah, of course. and I I don't have cable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as an right. adult, we all got it so, and got rid of it. Yeah, got got it and got right. rid of it. So I'm back to like square one. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna stream it from my parents, and so I I have cable. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but a lot of Disney Channel, and then Degrassi. Oh my god! The Aubrey Graham Degrassi. Aubrey Graham. <laughs> I never watched Degrassi, which oh. is not which is out of brand for me because I feel like I'd like oh, it. you would have loved I, it. I probably would still like it. That's what makes me excited about um, what's that coming out right now? HBO. Help me, help me. Oh, the crazy one. euphoria. Yeah, it's a crazy oh euphoria. yeah. I'm like, and and that show gives me pause. It it does give me pause. Drake's a producer on it though, but it reminds me of like. Uh, mm, they're not millennials, those teens, are they? What are mm-hmm. they? They are um, Z or what is that? Yeah, Generation Z. I think. Oh is my what gosh! We're calling it. Well, then do we restart? I don't even know. Well, the Z kids, it's like their version of Degrassi, so it's like dark. But it's like with is this drugs. One with Zendaya? Yes, Degrassi had drugs. And it's, oh, but yeah, it wasn't like no. It, but it wasn't like this. I mean, I mean, no, it was like drugs then, but it was still bad. It was like, whoa, it goes there. It was there, you know, tagline. <laughs> Degrassi, it goes there. It goes there. Did it though? With Aubrey Graham. It went there. It, it went there for, right. for those days. But this is going there. It looks like a show for adults. The fact it's on HBO though probably is a clue that it is, it is. meant for adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, I don't know. Because I feel like what they did is I'm a big Riverdale fan. Okay. And I feel like they're like, let's have real sex in Riverdale. And they're like, and real drugs. And so that's what they're doing now with this HBO show. But Degrassi uh, like paved the way for They that. did. They opened like they were doing they were doing some things. I didn't want guys, I don't know Degrassi. You gotta, you a, gotta YouTube a gap that. in my you know, it's a pop whole culture thing. history. It's a whole thing. Um, how did you know you wanted to get into acting and creating and like being a writer yourself? Yeah. Uh well, I had imaginary friends growing up. Okay, so my sister's six years younger than me. So up until about five you know, five, six, I was like, well, there's, you know, I have an older brother. I'm like, eh, it's cool. But like, I would tag along with him, but like the homegirls, like I made up my own or they were there. I don't know. Um, in my imagination. So that was my creativity. And like, my parents are probably are super concerned. No, no, I'm from San Jose from the Bay San Jose, area. That's right. Yeah. From California. So my parents are probably pretty concerned, but <laughs> I'd be talking to my imaginary friends. Um, I always was amazed by acting and, and what, and I loved, um, 
Beverly Hills Troop. That was my movie. Loved it. Um, or is it Troop Beverly Hills? Troop Beverly Hills. Yeah. I definitely mix that up. I haven't up. seen that in a Beverly long time. Beverly Hills, what a thrill. I, for, the, for the longest time, I just called it that. I love Beverly Hills, what a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> we know things by the theme song. Problem Child. That was my jam. But yeah, I, I just loved I loved it naturally. My dad had the home video camera and I would just be like, hi, my name is Yamoria. And I was just like very excited about the camera. It was very natural for me. Writing, storytelling, also loved it. Just had a very vivid imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Were there any like particular actresses that like really inspired you growing up or actors? Um, inspired me growing up. Or were you just very much like you had it your was voice? The shows. And you were, like, the no, shows. it was the shows. Like, so in in commercials in fifth grade I wrote a handwritten note and on in pencil and school paper um to Burger King to the Burger King Kids Club mm. asking how I could be in commercials I got I was like okay the only address I had to Burger King was a kids club address where they like you know you go to Burger King and it's like mail this and then you become a part of it so I looked at that and I wrote them a letter and I was like hi my name is Yumori I want to be on commercials I had no idea there weren't any actors in my family so they sent me like a one-year subscription to the Burger King Kids Club and I was like yeah not really the point but yes I wanted cool. to be in the commercials yeah. what didn't you get yeah I mean like technically you had to pay for those so I guess somebody was like this is so cute we'll give her a year free I think I just threw this stuff away sorry Burger King but that wasn't the point yeah yeah, you were like I was trying to uh, be in commercials, but it, yeah. Like, don't yeah. market to me. What is yeah, this? I was like, what is this? I want to be in commercials. Then, wow. when you went to school to study playwriting and writing, did mm -hmm. you know? Because obviously, you were interested in being on camera. Did you? I think something that's interesting about creators in our generation is that you have to do everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to write, you have to produce, you have to direct for yourself. Like, did you know kind of, okay, this is what I want to do. This would be an avenue to help me get it. Um, so to back up a little in 2000, when did I graduate high school? 2005. In 2005, I went to undergrad at Santa Clara University out in California. And I was planning to be a, a lawyer. I wanted to be an attorney. Um, I was a poli-sci major, but I just kept taking theater and business courses. And so eventually I got, by my sophomore year, I got a scholarship into the theater department. I was offered it, a scholarship into the theater department, and I switched my major to theater because obviously those were the terms. Um, so then, but then, you know, fast forward to 2013, going to grad school. I got, I went to grad school for my MFA in acting. That's what my MFA is in. Mm. Um, but it was after the first semester, we were on holiday break and one of the playwrights, they only had two playwrights in my cohort and one had to defer. So they were like, we need more playwrights. So they emailed actors and said, submit, you know, like literally a, do this, do this little application process, apply. And then, you know, if we like your work, you can become a part of the playwriting screenwriting track as well. So I double mastered essentially, but I only have one, you know, wow. certificate. That's yeah. Amazing. And, and did I know, uh, my background is, has been very much so theater. So I didn't know that I was going to be like this film person. I didn't necessarily know that, that was going to happen at all. It really happened. It really happened upon me. So, but I, but you said you're a YouTuber. I was, yes. Yeah. But that's the little girl like, hi. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> hey guys. Um, Gucci. Yeah. Like that whole thing. Have yes. you seen eighth grade where she's like yes, a YouTuber? Yes, I love. Oh, that's so that, good. That um, movie made me deeply uncomfortable. That, oh, I love did? that movie. It did. Yeah. Okay. Why? I don't know. Okay. All right. I mean, it's a lot. You know why? It's because I thought I was watching a different movie. Oh. And I was confused about, I was kept expecting, expecting the genre to like shift. Okay. 
or the theme of it and it never did and i was like oh this is just what it is and then after i watched it i realized that i was thinking about that woody harrison movie with that other girl the edge of 17 and that's what i wanted to watch so then i think it was on me i was my expectation was wrong (laughs) um yeah as a youtuber i was a natural hair youtuber so natural hair tutorials then i did a cooking show with um a colleague who is was a nutritionist um so and i would do that i was doing that show while i was in grad school so when i went back home during the holidays it was always like a five-week break she and I would like film a bunch of episodes and then release them so yeah I was making I was making content on YouTube between 2012 to 2014 two years but like of like that's all I cared about and I acted on the side I did theater as well but like it was theater YouTube and then I worked at Google for two years as a receptionist back home so like I was I had a pretty good life I didn't even realize it It was easy (laughs) Isn't that always the case? Yeah. Oh, man. What did being a YouTuber teach you about being a filmmaker? A lot. Like, so I actually took in 2014, that would be the beginning of my second year of grad school. Yes, sorry. I remember remember dates like crazy. Um, In 2014, that's the beginning of my second year of grad school. I took a branding course from Francesca Ramsey. At that time, she had... I think it was prior to her starting at MTV. Um, and she was a star, but like she wasn't like as, you know, as big as she is now, um, as much of a household name. So she she was doing consulting. And so um, I signed up to work with her and she taught me a lot about branding. It was only like a two day course or something. And then we had a few follow up emails and calls. Um, so that's what it taught me. One is branding. Mm. Um, it taught me also understanding like the camera at the basics or having the basic understanding, even though it was a DSLR, basic understanding of the camera, basic understanding of the importance of lighting, the frustration of lighting yeah, <laughs> um, and backdrop. So it started teaching me a lot of language that eventually I would use in film. But I can tell you at that time, there was nowhere in my mind where I thought I would be a filmmaker. Hmm. I didn't think that. Mm-mm. Why not? Um, I was theater. Yeah, I I knew that I wanted to act in film, but I didn't think I was going to make film. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't think I was going to produce it. Uh -uh. Interesting. I think that's always such a world where it's like, you're like, if somebody asked you, like, do you see yourself as a director Mm -hmm. while you were making the YouTube videos and while you were like YouTubing, you'd be like, ah, no, absolutely not. That's another thing. That's something other people do. That's like not for me. And I think that that narrative is like so common with filmmaking sometimes. Mm -hmm. It can be like an intimidating industry. Well, I also wonder for women because it's, so technical in our brains, yes. you know, making a movie, editing a movie, mm-hmm. like theater, you're going to go on stage, you know, you could tell a story to the, the nuts and bolts behind producing a film mm-hmm. are so different. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we think that they're like, to your point, Diana, we think that they're different, but they're actually, you're doing it. You're doing, you're doing it. it. Yeah. You're doing it. And also like with love, like it's not that hard, mm-hmm. especially if you have a team, which mm-hmm. you're going to have you know, if you're doing a production or a theatrical thing anyway, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a little bit of a technical barrier sometimes that stops women from producing mm-hmm. video specifically. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Very cool. Well, another woman who has, is doing great filmmaking work is Rachel Lears, who directed um, and was the director of photography for Knocking Down the House. Mm-hmm. Knocking mm-hmm. Down, yeah. Down the House. Um, which is the movie that we're talking about today. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm so excited to get into it. I don't even know where we start. I'd love to hear maybe you guys' th- first thoughts or, Diana, should we read a description? Yeah, I think we should tell the people what this is all about. Okay, let me pull one up. And you guys chat amongst yourselves. 
<laughs> Everybody <laughs> break for five minutes. No, I'm um, well, we can like talk about what it was about. It's about the Congress uh, election in 2018. Mm-hmm. Right. We're we're looking at um, Ocasio-Cortez, obviously, AOC. And we're also looking at Amy um, Valla... Valala from Nevada, Corey Bush from Missouri, and Paula Jean Swearinging from West Virginia. So we're following these four women's candidacies. Mm-hmm. Four women who are not politicians. Who are who not politicians. Who are going after from, incumbent. Who are going after incumbents seats. and are going, they're running a race in states that are extremely difficult yeah. to have it's, any kind of flexibility in. Amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Working class, progressive, outspoken women like them who are not supposed to run for office, mm-hmm. and yet they did. And yet they did. It's a nurse. It's a coal miner's mm-hmm. daughter. It's a woman who's lost her daughter due to a broken healthcare system. And it's AOC, who I mean, bless. Isn't it amazing, though, that like, uh, it's amazing to me that it actually now like seeing them and seeing the documentaries, like actually that makes sense. This makes, you should, these should have always been the type of people that are politicians mm. that yeah. are for the people. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, the thought of like thinking that that was so out of reach. It's like, this actually makes more sense. Right. right. I, I right. wrote down that most um, people who are serving in our government at the moment are millionaires, mostly millionaires. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's helpful. Right. For no one. For no one. Yeah. I think, um, Obviously, we'll get into like each of these stories, but I was reading a little bit about the movie online before I was coming in here today and somebody wrote, it's a line that just stuck with me and I just need to name it because I need to hear how you both think about it. Okay. But their line was like, I think what this movie shows you is how many women have to fail in order for one to succeed Mm -hmm. because AOC is the only one who wins Mm -hmm. um, and becomes a congresswoman. And I found that I feel like kind of offended by that line because I, it's not the take home message for me. Mm-hmm. I don't see what these women did as failure at all. Mm-hmm. I see what they did as incredibly brave and the success in what they did was so amazing. And I'd love to kind of yeah. but I see what they're saying in the sense that they lost their elections. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting read of the film. Sure. I mean, I wrote something that I wrote down actually all in caps in my notes, um, (laughs) is the women who broke the glass ceiling or who are breaking the glass ceiling. And I think to that point, failure is the wrong word. Mm -hmm. But I I did feel how many women have to slam their bodies against this patriarchy and this establishment again and again Mm -hmm. and again for us to be able to make a dent or a crack. And I felt a great sense of gratitude um, to women who have the gall to do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the amazing things is Cori Bush, um, who is from Ferguson, the woman from Missouri, is running again. And when we have to take on these incumbents, sometimes we have to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's our history. And, you know, the women who have run, um, the first woman who ran for Congress, was it uh, Bella Abzug? Is she the first one? I'm asking you, our American so, yeah. history, yeah. our Canadian <laughs> co-founder. Um, but she ran, I think she had to run two or three times before, mm-hmm. you know, she, this is this is what we have to do. And yeah. I think as women, we need to remember, and it sucks. And I think you really feel that. And I think you mm-hmm. feel for these women and their incredible stories and their wives, especially. Um, but yeah, I did I did feel that a little bit of like, we we've got to go through it. And that's part of the process. It and is. I didn't think that was the main takeaway per se, but I did think that that really grounded me thinking about like, oh, just all the work that yeah. has to be done. Viola Davis had, it, I, I feel like it was late last year, or early this year, 
Um, and it's a speech she had. She was accepting an award or an honor. I'm paraphrasing. But she um, she basically says that she's basically has a metaphor for like breaking the glass ceiling or, you know, just breaking through and that she's bruised, but that it's then it becomes easier for those behind. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it is, you do get bruised. You do. It is, you know, they're not failures. Failure is like, if you know, if they tapped out and they're like, fine. Failure is if you it know? wasn't making a difference. Yeah. And it, if it wasn't inspiring, like there's just no way that quote, what we call losing or not winning, um, is a failure on any of their parts. If they were to all lose, right. you know, um, no, because to, you're inspiring and showing again, like showing women who might feel like I'm not a politician. I don't know anything about politics. You know, I can study this. I, I want to make a difference. Wait. Oh yeah. I can make a difference. Yeah. I can't, I actually can do this. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It's it starts out with like having, you know, the first meeting of AOC, like being convinced to even start running. Mm -hmm. She was nominated by her brother. Yeah, yeah. What a bro. Oh and my I, god. When that title page came up, it was like, you know, you have to be nominated. So basically the film also kind of follows this organization that essentially pulls candidates that are not backed by corporate money, you know, to put some new blood out there mm -hmm. to kind of get the money out of politics and put in these fresh voices and fresh faces who are going to actually represent working class Americans. And so AOC was nominated. And it's when it says by her brother, I yeah. was like, which I just I was like, oh, now I'm crying like nine minutes. <laughs> in, I was like, I this is amazing. Like the the idea, too, of women who cannot use their own voices mm -hmm. is something I've been thinking about a lot because of this movie. It's like. And, and how important storytelling is. Because I think the other interesting thing is that she signed on to do this movie before she signed on yep. to do the candidacy. And having the confidence to tell your story is very similar to having the confidence to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved that moment. And I loved hearing, you know, where these women kind of found the fuel to keep going. And I thought one of the most interesting things of this film is the beginning shot and the last shot and the choice that the director made to keep it very relatable and to see AOC putting her makeup on mm -hmm. using a beauty blender. I was like, wow, what we've done right now, what we've established is that this could be any of us. Yes. This is where we're starting. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very powerful. And I even thought the, um, the direction on this was was just incredible to hear her talk, like for the director to be able to hear her talking. And obviously as the DP, it was seemed like it was only the two of them in the room. Mm -hmm. But the confessionals that she got out of her alone were outstanding. Yeah. And really set the tone for like what this film was going to be. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then I love how we start to like meet the other women. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I love how we start to meet Paula Jean Swearingen in uh, West Virginia, who's a coal miner's daughter. Oh, yeah. Paula Jean. And I said tough as nails. God. <laughs> tough as nails. Oh my God. Like zero fucks given. Yeah. Like, she is her. just going in. She's straight, like straight to the point. This is what we're going to do. And then showing like living condition. You're like, mm -hmm. dang, like it. It really, I, I have spoken to many people, especially most recently, about how privileged we are to be on the coast of America. My parents are originally from Gary, Indiana. So the majority of my family is Midwestern. Yeah. So it is a very different world. And people, there's this like kind of coastal idea of like, oh, you know, backward, slow, blah, 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 blah. Like we're the cool people kind of things, whether you're the West or East Coast. And I think that like, people truly do 
have ignorance about what's happening in the rest of this nation. I often have to fly across this entire, you know, United States. It's a huge, it's a huge mass of land. There are all these people who have been in many ways forgotten because the voices that have been the loudest are those in those big cities or yeah. on the coast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, even like, Joe Crowley, who is the incumbent for New York, doesn't live in New York. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when you have a certain level of privilege and you can live anywhere and you know what I mean? It's it's interesting, the choices that we make and that, you know, to your point, the politicians who are supposed to be representing us, you know, if the majority of them are millionaires, then how many of them are going to relate to a coal miner's daughter's problems? So it is a huge or even care. Like even listen to it, even be aware of it, Mm -hmm. even like know it's happening, because that's I think what's like so that's something I really loved about like if you can say like the casting, I'm using air quotes of this film (laughs) is having a woman AOC from the Bronx, having a woman from West Virginia who is associated with coal mining, having a woman who is from Nevada. Like who talks about Nevada? Like what do people in Nevada experience? Like, what do we, I feel like Missouri, like we heard about it from the Ferguson riots, right. we hear about it in that context, which is also not, you know, that maybe that's indicative of a certain lived reality for sure. But then what is, what does it look like to live there? What does yeah. it look like to be from there? What does it sound like, feel well, I think like? One and of that's the... something I appreciated in this film is like seeing where these people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's not just New York and it's not just LA and it's not just Miami. Like, you know, it's not yeah. these, these corners, as you were saying, it's not the coastal places, but it's really showing this cross section in this one election of America. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about this documentary. Yeah. And I think one of the big things and the director chose those people intentionally a hundred percent. But I think the cool thing about the grassroots organization that finds these people is like, you know, it's not to say that our senators and congressmen who are billionaires, like can't relate that they don't like, you know, put their pants on one leg at a time. But I think at the end of the day, we have all this big money that's backing these people. Mm-hmm. And so until we can strip, you know, the the oil baron and baronesses, you know, from influencing policy, like how could you make a change? Yeah. Like you can't. And so that's why I think these organizations and this space of people is also so cool because they don't have all these you know, big money ties. They don't owe anybody anything. You know, they don't have to, res- they don't have to, you know, take a meeting at the end of the day to get money from them. So, you know, it's tricky, but it was also so painful. I can't remember. I think it was Nevada who was making those phone calls, mm-hmm. trying to get a hundred dollars. Mm. I mean, you see why people sign up to these, with yeah. these corporations, because yeah. who wants to sit on the phone and get rejected after? I mean, yeah. I can't tell you how many calls from the, Democratic Party, I've ignored on my phone. Yeah. I mean, fundraising must be outrageous for these people. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've touched on an interesting thing around the money and the not owing anyone anything and the not needing to run because mm-hmm. none of these women have to run. Yeah. And I think, like, especially Amy Valela and from Nevada, as you were saying, her daughter died mm-hmm. from something that could have totally been prevented. She was denied health, she was denied access to care because her health insurance didn't cover what she needed. Um, and God, if there's ever someone who gets to like choose then what she does with her life, it's like that, that group, that mother. Yeah. And the fact she's chosen this, which is mm. probably one of the hardest things you can try to do because she wants to see a better future. Going back to the Viola Davis idea, mm. she wants to see a better future where this doesn't happen to anybody else's kid, yep. parent, you know, grandfather, grandmother, whatever, um, is incredible. And that's, and this 
going back to that sense of gratitude, it's like none of these women owe anybody anything. Mm -hmm. Mm. And they're giving up everything to yeah. do this because they believe in it so deeply and like, oh, it's it's just. And yeah. a lot of them, it feels, it was interesting that it was even a question in the film. They were like, are you running to win? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or are you just running to protest? So a lot of it too, they don't, they don't even hold these women in the space that they have the capacity to do what they do, which is why, right. you know, seeing Alexandra rise was so remarkable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and such a gift that I think women in America needed to see a woman, a woman win. Yeah. Oh yeah, we needed. I kept and a woman saying, win is herself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Like she didn't conform to win at all. She's still not conforming. Totally, that's, she's still not. That's yeah. a great point. It's not like she then got the job and it's like, but okay, I I'm going to fit goes, in here now. And I think that goes back to what we were saying before: is like she, we, she doesn't owe anybody anything. Yep. She doesn't owe any corporations. She doesn't have to tell any line. Yeah. You know, she gets to use her you know, whatever she uses as a moral compass, whether it's like what's going to serve her community or whatever, mm -hmm. she gets to decide what that is. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a place of power. Yep. Totally. I love that scene where she's getting ready to debate the incumbent. <laughs> and she says, I am smart enough for this. Mm -hmm. I am mature enough for this. And she says like this beautiful mantra to mm -hmm. herself. And the <laughs> amount of women I have sent that to when they're just like, oh, it's going to be so hard to do this thing. And I'm like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I like, say this to yourself every day. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I wonder, do they, are, have have either of you uh, seen any research about them, like, showing it in classrooms? Mm. I haven't. Question. I mean, like, it's, it's something that I feel like is very essential to, in spite of how a teenage girl's family is raising her politically or right, their views. I think it's that it's, it's very important, you know, on a larger scale to see that. Were some of them Republican? Were there, I don't, I didn't know no. what the affiliations were. Were they all Democrats? They were all, did they, you know, in fact, do they even mention it? This is also one of my favorite things in the movie. Yeah. You don't, don't know. You don't no. know. You only know if you know. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because both parties are not representing the people that are voting. And that is a point that was made in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It's so good that it wasn't partisan. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. done as an issue of representation mm -hmm. and of you know, bringing voices to the forefront, whether you're Republican or yeah. Democrat. And I think that was such a smart move. And on that the part makes of the it really, director. that makes it human. Yes. It makes it human because we, the, the media does a really good job at confusing people about like, am I, what am I, what is, what do I stand for? No, I can't stand them. I hate them. It's yeah. like, you know, you have true. to be one yeah. thing or another. And yeah. it's like, if you're not for us, you're against us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I loved that that wasn't the way that these women were framed mm -hmm. and it wasn't important to mm -hmm. the story mm -hmm. so powerful that is really powerful i love this movie <laughs> it was so good i mean it was such a delight and it just kept giving i felt like it was a film that was like you know here we are and we're there and we're with aoc and mm -hmm. then the other women start coming into the fold i thought the pacing of the editing was phenomenal yeah it really flowed i really felt like we were taken care of everything mm -hmm. was so intentional and they did a really good job of building the emotional intimacy of each person, mm -hmm. like just enough. Yeah. And even in the scenes where, you know, we find out that that woman and her poor daughter died. I mean, they really, they saved it for the end. Mm -hmm. They gave it the space it needed. It didn't feel exploitive in any right. way. It was such a beautiful tribute, I think, to the reason she was running. Um, and just was, it, her husband actually was her editor. 
Wow. Oh, this wow. was a little family band. Wow. Yeah. So the um, Rachel Lears, our director and director of photography, um, had took her eight month old and her husband around the country to film this movie and to make it and to produce it. And um, the one of the reasons that they focused on AOC was because she was from New York mm -hmm. and they didn't have a lot of money to travel. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, we're here anyway. So we're going to hop our bandwagon <laughs> um, to this gal. And what incredible foresight from a casting perspective yeah. to see the fire in this young yeah. woman mm -hmm. and then be able to just ride it on home because yep. now she's a household name. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. We need to talk about Election Day, the scenes of AOC on Election Day. Oh. Her voting Ugh. And wow, like wow, just breaking wow, wow, down wow, into wow, tears wow. with her partner and her mom. That was very iconic. The visuals I, of that. You mm -hmm. just like don't. I mean, obviously, we all know what happens. We all know we were right. all there for it. But if you, it again, it just like you're so in it with her that it's yeah. like God. That was the moment that you got to vote for yourself. Right. You got to vote for your girlfriend. You got to vote for your daughter. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The power of having her on the ballot. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. And then when the scene when she's going to her election night party with her partner and she says to him, I don't even want to go in there. Like, <laughs> I don't even want to do this. Why are we here? Why are we doing it? And then and she, she starts runs. running. <laughs> and she's like, no, this is. And the bouncer doesn't even know who she is. She, she just won, you know, the state. Yeah. And the bouncer is just like, it's a closed party. Like, yeah. you got to get out of here. And she's, she's like, like I'm, on the I'm on the TV. <laughs> oh my god! Incredible! Like you can't you can't script moments like that. I it was just incredible. My favorite part of that little segment was how scared she was, yes. and she did that before she did the um, sit down New York one interview too, where she was like, "I'm scared, mm -hmm. I'm scared, I'm scared. I don't want to do this." Yeah, because that's what you, we have to do, and yeah. and we never get to see that part. We nope. get to see her swallowing it, taking a deep breath and moving forward. We don't get to see the vulnerability of like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was my favorite. One of my favorite parts was seeing like the fear mm -hmm. and naming it and then moving on anyway. Yeah. How brilliant. I think there is to speak to the quote or whatever you read online about um, failure. It's so funny. That would be a takeaway. But um, I think that this this documentary speaks a lot to also the importance of trying to, of being intentional about leaving legacy. Um, because again, with Alexandra, like what is amazing about that is where she comes from, you mm. know, and even being from the Bronx, like their school system, this, the things that, the things that I have heard from, uh, friends that I, that I know that are teaching artists there, um, also a friend that is an attorney and the things that she was talking about, the things that happen in just within the school system there are treacherous, the things that are normalized. So you think about what this does for the future, like for the present and what they can see their foresight into their future. And it is, it's, it is truly historical in the greatest sense. It's truly historical in the greatest sense because so many young women do not see themselves represented on in any kind of way. And when you don't see that, you will make choices where if you, if truly, if you do not feel like your life is valued in this society, in this country, then you will make choices that support. It's a, it's a cycle, right? right You'll make absolutely. those choices that support the lack of value that you are seeing. So to see someone who looks like you, who values your life and who is determined to make sure that others know that you matter. I mean, 
it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal thing. Yeah. I mean, and one of the crazy things that we see in this film and the, the audacity of her brilliance of being 28 years Mm -hmm. old. And it's like, wow, wow, wow. And when Joseph Crowley and her are doing that debate or whatever, and he kind of gives her this look and he's like, you know, you've a little bit patronizing, like Mm -hmm. you've done a really good job for like not having that much experience. He like mean girls her a little bit. And just her face and like, she just has to take it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, we've, we're all young women in this room, mm-hmm. Kent included. <laughs> and like, we've all been there where it's like somebody smiles and nods at you and is like, thanks for being a good girl. Yep. And uh, the only regret I have from this film is I wanted to hear his concession of him hmm. calling her and being like, you know, congratulations. You mm-hmm. won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I know he like just stopped started like calling her cute pretty much. It's Basically. Brutal. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. But I mean, I think that's important to know that also to see that this was the beginning. It was it, it like, you know, it's very easy. Like we won, we did it. And then everyone taps out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think it's really important to capture like, mm, but this is the beginning. And this is what all of these women are dealing with in these spaces. This is like the truth of what they're up against beyond just votes and money are people who would rather see them doubt themselves or do not feel that they are capable because of whatever, whatever external you know, um, implications these people have based off of these, these women. So, you know, it's, it, it really, I think passes the baton and like tasks, uh, society, not just women, people in general to be like, how are you, how are you, um, taking the lead and making change? And we all have different ways we do that, but how are you taking the lead confronting your fears? But then also, making sure that you understand that there are going to be people who are to your face are going to doubt to your face and on camera. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was part of her training yeah, was are, to really know they're going to come for you. Yeah, they're going to look for videos. For they're going to do everything when that they, they can do. That, that gave me chills. That gave me chills. I was, that was like the first 20 minutes, I think. And it was just like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah. they're going to do everything they can. I don't think I've ever seen anything that honest about what happens in politics. Mm. Have yeah. You, have you all? No, I was thinking about that cards. too. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think it was so honest about what's going on. And I think one of the things that, you know, is to add to the layers of what these women face is like, even just problems within their own party, like Mm -hmm. AOC and Nancy Pelosi, when she did become a Congresswoman, it's been a huge battle. Mm -hmm. And it's been like, she's had trouble being taken seriously within the Democratic Party. And so it's like, stuff like that is it's just a never ending fight for you to like be able to take up space yeah. in any way. Yeah. I also love the role her boyfriend played in this, mm-hmm. which was small and supportive and running her Facebook ads. Yeah. And <laughs> being at every single thing. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect. Yeah. I'm like crying. What a great. When he voted for her, I lost my mind. What a great representation of showing a partner supporting a power position. Yes. Nancy Myers, take note. And what does that do? (laughs) And like literally, what does that do for, as you said, like watching this in schools, what does that do for the young men in the room? Yeah. For like what it means to Mm. be a supportive partner Mm -hmm. and what it means to like show up for the women in your life Mm -hmm. and or the men in your life. And like, what does it mean to like really build this place where we're uplifting one another. Exactly. And it's when one of us wins, all of us win. Exactly. 
wow. and understanding that equality, that, that equality of human to human, yeah. you know, like whatever your gender is, identification is like human to human, everyone deserves to take up the space to live the dream, whatever, however their dreams transition and change, they deserve that. Yeah. And they deserve people around them who support that fully. And women don't have to diminish themselves just to have a partner around to keep, yeah. you know, it's a lot. We need to talk about the final scene when she's sitting outside of the Capitol building and talking about how she made her dad proud. Mm. Can we just? <laughs> I mean, I thought my favorite part of the end was, and that, and that was a beautiful and emotional and a little bit saw it coming of mm-hmm. like, she's going to take this moment and of course she's going to cry. And of course I loved the story that she told about how this is your house. This is our space. Mm. But then I thought the best part of that ending montage was that she's on the scooter. Yeah. The joy of this, the mm-hmm. youth of this, this isn't a place where you go and cry and it's an establishment. Mm-hmm. This is a place where you play mm-hmm. and that this you're like, she's taking up space and she's zooming around with her. I thought that was such a joyful way of ending it back and grounding it back into like, this is attainable. This is like part of something that we could all jump on scooters yeah, we and beauty blend it out. I thought that was so smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it was such a strange choice and it was such an odd shot to see the two of them. And I really, I was like, I got to think about this for a minute. <laughs> I had to think about it too. And yeah. I watched it with Omer and I was like, why is she like scooting around? He's like, cause Washington's her playground. Yes. And I was like, Boom. That's oh it, my God. Yeah, Boom. baby. I it's lost my playground. mind. And then I fully started sobbing all over again. <laughs> yeah. So good. Great visual metaphor there. Okay, gals. Yeah. I have a rather shocking prediction. Oh, okay. So you have to be 35. Is this correct? We might want to Google this to run for president. So she cannot run for eight more years. I think they're going to shove Trump. Obviously he's going to run again. And then I think they're going to shove Ivanka. Yeah. I think we're going to have an Ivanka Ocasio-Cortez showdown. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Did my mouth do this? Yeah, we, all, we both just kind of like <laughs> had to catch about up to that, that one. First of all, like project Anybody ourselves. Anybody know? Ken says no. Not happening. No way, why? Ivanka? No Ivanka? What do you think she's doing up there? <laughs> I... I mean, Trump won because of Ivanka. Because white women showed up for Ivanka. And I think they're absolutely grooming her to take his place. I will agree with you on that. I think in terms of AOC... On my most cynical days, I'm very worried the patriarchy is just going to chew her up and spit her out. And like, we don't tolerate women like her in public spaces historically. And so on my really bad days, I'm like, oh, this is, Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is like a one-off. This is, you know, she's incredible. I love her. She's amazing. But Democrats and Republicans both just want to see her fail. And that's devastating. But go ahead, continue. But then on my better days, mm-hmm. I feel like this is the future and I feel like this is the change and this is the wave and this is like what we've wanted to see and this is like good. This is happening and this is real. I don't think she's going to debate Ivanka because I, I don't think she's going to make a presidential run in, by the time I don't she's think, I don't know that she's going to want to. Yeah, I think she's not because powerful of the way as the a mach- president. I feel like the way the machine is, it's, it's not it, the way it's set up. You know, I don't, I think that she feels she can make more impact outside of that. I don't know that she's going to want to. I disagree completely. Yeah. I I think a girl that signs on to be in a Netflix documentary before she even runs, who knows who she is, who can speak in front of a group, 
who knows the symbolism that she brings, that has the branding savvy. I think she's got it. I think she knows she's, she's got, got it. it. I don't know if she's going to, I don't know if she's going to want to do it at 35 only because of it. De- it depends. It depends on what the next, you know, several years look like as far as impact. There's so much more impact that a lot of people feel they can make. I mean, <laughs> Oprah speaks to it, right? Yeah. Oprah, she's like, Mm-mm, I'm making more impact here. Yeah. But Oprah is like a billionaire who has billionaire money, right. like Ty. And she has, you know, she can't run because it would screw her business up. Yeah. One could say that, but I think that also part of it is that when you, like when you get into the intricacies of what the president actually has power to do and people who are like, it's becoming more known. I think that the way it's taught in the school system is a way in which we were taught like the president. But, but you I think- can't tell me that little girls everywhere. Mm-hmm would not change the rest of their lives to have a female president. I, no, I think a female president is, is necessary. And I think the impact of that is greater than maybe trying to like move things around on a lower know. level. I don't know. I, I, I think what's interesting is we're using the same qualities about her to argue two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you are extremely influential. You know exactly who you are. You have a voice, you mm-hmm. have a vision, you have all of these things that would make you perfect to be president. Mm-hmm. You have a voice, you have vision, you have legacy. And are you going to be able to do what you really want to do as president Yeah, where you have to toe party line and you have to, but she's like, build. See? but look what happened to Obama. Yeah, he's being chewed uh-huh. up and spit out because of all the things he didn't do because of all the influence and change he wasn't able to make. And because of so it's like, do you want the office of the president? Because, you know, you see a vision for this country and you want to build your legacy and you want to be able to do that. Or are there better ways you can do that yeah. holding different titles? And I think that it's a really interesting I could see it going both ways, to yeah. be honest. I mean, MLK wasn't the president, and look what MLK did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For example. I mean, for example, you know? So, it, it yeah, it depends. I I don't know. I actually don't even, you know, I wonder what this political system is going to be like in a year. I yeah, guess. Right, yeah. <laughs> I guess when I. If we have a, and we I, have a country, and by the time she's stop. 25, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Yeah. I mean, you guys are totally right. I mean, it could definitely go either way for all the reasons we just but talked about. But it would about. be exciting, by I the think way. for me, what I was seeing was Obama mm. and the branding and the cool factor yeah. and the way that she communicates and speaks. And artic- I was like, well, I'm seeing a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. And there's like such a spark and such an energy of having people show up mm-hmm. that I feel like, ooh. It's got to be so scary because I've heard the comparison of her to Obama before and that's got to be so scary for her because like, God, if ever there's a way to set you up for failure, it's comparing you to like Obama. Yeah. I think I think also people I, I, I hope that and I bet that she has enough people around her where it's like they already did set her up right in the beginning of the documentary we see like we were just mentioning people are going to come for you but in the same way people will try to say you are the next and it prevents you from being focused on mm. who you are and what you want to do yeah, yeah. you know similarities are great positive similarities are great that in the day she's an individual and it's it happens a lot to women like oh you're like this guy how can you're we like fit- the man version of you're like the woman version of this man, right? How can <laughs> totally. we fit you in this box yeah. so we can begin to understand you, yeah, so we can we begin to brand you. you, so we can right? Yeah, and it's like <laughs> she is vehemently against the establishment yeah. and what the democratic a lot of the Democratic Party is doing, and yeah. it's like the Democrats a lot of them don't like her, and so it's like 
it's just this interesting psychology around like she's so progressive mm-hmm. that I think she's like but I think the impact she's making is that she's not doing the like bid for the presidency and went to the time she's 35 because she's looking at what's happening tomorrow but and what's I, happening the next day and what's happening, you know. But when I think about millennials and when I think about what do we call them? Disease. Disease. Gen Z. <laughs> is that right? Disease. Why are they Z and the generation older was Generation X? Oh, God. I'm confused. Nobody knows. It's real because Gen Z pink doesn't sound as good as millennial pink, maybe. And they had to brand it. I just more. think that those Who kids, <laughs> like, they don't believe in gender. Like, they're such a, we're, mo- we're the era of, you know, the white man in the suit is over visually mm-hmm. for these kids, for us. We're over it. We're all over it. Mm-hmm. We're ready to move it right along. And I do think that although we think that AOC is like this, you know, progressive, like this p- epitome of it, I think this is the direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're moving in another direction. On my good days, I feel that way as mm-hmm. well. So I feel like she's <laughs> a bit of a visionary in a lot of ways oh, in no. which everyone else will continue to follow. In every way. But she gets to be now this the this beacon of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, but I don't know. We don't vote as much as old people do. So who knows? <laughs> as much as old people. Yeah. Once those, they those make an app, people. it's over. It's over. Well, totally. It's then we'll rule everything. But until they put it on our phones, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, if it can be isn't as easy as posting. I hope Instagram. the Z's vote. The Z's are like sixteen, right? They're not even eighteen. Just make us a vote hashtag. Yeah, they're not and it'll all happen. That's a great question. The Z's wouldn't Jeez. even be voting age by now. Right? No, not right now. I don't even know. Listen, thirty nine is millennial. Or like thirty eight is the millennial, and, no, but also it's, it's like, but also 25. Yes. 25 is twenty five. Twenty five is also millennial. Yeah, what? I guess yeah, that makes sense. That makes because I'm on the low end, like I'm on the cusp. I am like the last of the millennials. And okay. I'm twenty eight. Okay. So, but but I think it's like the cutoff. <laughs> like people like ten years old. I know people <laughs> ten years older are millennial, yeah. and I'm like, how? <laughs> Beyonce is a millennial. She is. I remember being like, oh, Beyonce is a millennial. That was the quote of this episode. Beyonce is a millennial. I mean, I was just like, oh, it just put things into into context. But yeah, um, you think they're going to have to vote on ads? They'll do it. Oh, can they? Oh, God. Of course they can. Will they? I mean, they they can, but like. The Republicans will not allow that. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, well, they like to. The whole situation around voting is a whole other episode entirely. (laughs) Look at us talking about politics. (laughs) getting into it i love it ladies are there is there any other feelings thoughts moments of this film that really um so many thoughts and feelings i think you have to watch it and i think regardless of what party you subscribe Mm -hmm. to regardless of what news outlets you watch regardless of who you follow on twitter um i think watching this movie is such a hard reset Mm. on how we fundamentally see people how we see women how we see how we perceive power, how we see what we're capable of. I think it is such a, an amazing breath of fresh air around the political conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I would just recommend everybody watch this film. There's so much in it to get out. And Yamaria, I think to your point, like show it to your niece, Mm -hmm. show it to a young woman in your life, like make, have it a night, make some popcorn, Mm -hmm. you know, and watch, I mean, that would be like such a powerful thing to do for yeah. a young woman. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's the, that is my takeaway or leave is show the young girls 
show everybody actually around you um, because I think it's important. It's really easy to just like Netflix and binge. On young our girls own, and young you boys know? too. Yeah, everybody, everybody needs to see it. Agreed. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. This was amazing. Me. This is so, I'm a Libra, so I love balance. So like we talked politics, we talked art. I mean, the two, like you use art for, I mean, like, yeah, you know, documentary, which is film, which is art, though it's about It's all politics. happening here on Beaver Look at that. <laughs> all of that. I love it. I love, I love the balance. It. How can we support you? Where can we follow you? You can support me. Um, let's see. You can follow Love My Roomie. It is out on Instagram. It's spelled the way it is. Love My Roomie. Although there's no plural. A lot of people say Love My Roomies. Just one roomie. Love My Roomie. Um, you can support me by, yeah, following Love My Roomie. Because you can follow me at Ms. Right on Time. That's M-S and then my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T on time on Instagram. Um, and... I post a lot about ways to support me on those two platforms. So, um, and you can support me by taking a stand in your communities and figuring out what you stand for and what matters to you. That can support me because I think that supports us as a collective. Mm, I like it. Love it. Amazing. Happy yeah. Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!